Good afternoon. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading Leviticus 16 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, help me to read this. This, this is a chapter that does mean something to me. Um, I don't know all the details. My mind doesn't work like that, but I know your mind is so precise, so pure, so holy, so righteous, so kind, Lord, that you know it so pristine, Lord. Please give me some of that. Anything you want to give. And not just to me, to anybody who listens to my voice, not to listen to my clunky words, but to listen to the sweet sounds of the Holy Spirit in between my voice, to listen and to grow and to be consecrated and to be ready for the day of the coming of the Lord. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Yeah, the Bible doesn't say to set dates. I say he's coming in 2033, 2034. Um, I'm not setting dates and of course I could be wrong, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go, I'm gonna put it out there. Why not? Let's stir the pot a little bit. So this is called the day of atonement and this has special meaning for me and I'll tell you why. So there was this dude long time ago in a galaxy far, far away named William Miller. He was a Baptist. He started studying prophecy and stuff in the 1800s and he decided he wanted to study Christ's coming and he became very intentional. He went to all the different churches and somebody somewhere started to set dates that jesus christ would come back and he says jesus says i don't know when i'm coming the angels don't know only my heavenly father knows he says if you can't see the signs of the times you can tell when it's going to rain you can tell when it's going to be hot but you can't tell the signs of the times okay but jesus says at the same time i don't even know when i'm coming back and he says he's coming back again so he's walking around matthew 24 he says, I'm leaving, I'm going to the Father, and I'm coming back, but I don't know exactly when. So even he doesn't know. So people in the church have said, how can he be God? Or he's supposed to be God, know everything, but he doesn't know this. Well, to me, he's never sinned. But in his human incarnation, um, you know, God as a human being, uh, he doesn't know everything. I know that's kind of a rough thing. He doesn't know all the facts, all the information, but, but he has arrived at the Spirit. He's perfect. He never sins. He's a teacher. He has God's wisdom. He is God in flesh. What can I say? Be that as it may. So this William Miller guy starts. And then there's this movie from my church. It was put out. And I know the people in my church did not write this movie. They probably got somebody to do it. It was very professionally made. And it kind of shows the history of the church. But as my friend said to me, it also shows why the church is not right. It really does. And, and so they start to set dates. And they set October 23, 1844. It was supposed to be the Day of Atonement. Something about some Jews. Um, the Jews are Karate Jews. It's a really funny, weird name. It's about a certain kind of Jews. And it's something about the Day of Atonement. And it's October 23, 1844. Okay? So they set this date. All these people come out of all these churches. Some of them sell all the stuff they have. They sell all their property because they don't expect to go back to the house. Right? There's not going to be nothing to go back to at the end of the day. Guess what? Jesus never shows up. He doesn't come because he's not coming on October 23, 1844. Some go back to their churches. Some go back and say religion is crap. They leave. Other, these other people say, you know what? I can't let this go by. We're going we're gonna, to we're, we're gonna do a save face here. We're not going to say we're sorry. And we're going to say that Jesus went from the holy place to the most holy place in heaven. An event that no human being can verify. How would I be knowing what Jesus is doing right now? Is he on a throne? Does he have sandals on? He's at the right hand of the Father. 
Has he had something to eat? He says, I will not eat anything till I see you again. He has he has intestines. He has small intestines, jejunum, iluum. He has big intestines, the colon. He has all of those things. He's a human being that's, that's God. I have no idea what Jesus is doing, but somehow this is the thing that comes. And this is not in the Bible. This is not in the Bible. It is a doctrine that people made up. It's foolishness. It's lies. It's a safe face. But yet it's one of the doctrines that has been adopted. And we fought about this and they had ministers that worked. And some of them got fired because they questioned this. Some of them were good guys, but it's like, why is this here? Why am I part of a, why am I part of an organization that's made up these doctrines and these ideas? And people do this, not just in this church and other churches too. They say, if we believe this, this is the truth. God likes us better than he likes you. We're the remnant. You come to us. We've got a hundred percent of the truth. You've only got 90%. We're better than you. Ha 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 ha. No, that's not the gospel friends. The gospel, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. period and stop. Jesus gives you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to change your heart, transform you from the inside, and it's the fruits of the Spirit. That's the gospel about Jesus Christ. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the mediator between God and man, period. God says, if you add to the gospel, I'll add to you the plagues of life. And if you take away from the gospel, he says that at the end of Revelation, I'll take away from you your place in the book of life. You don't want to be adding or messing up the gospel. You can make a bad decision with a bad car, a bad house, marrying a bad wife, but don't touch the gospel. You can see new creative ways about old truths, eternal truths, but don't start making up new truths, quote, new, unquote. And that's what they did. And that's why this chapter means something very special to me because it was called the Day of Atonement, this October 23, 1844 thing. Let's read what, read what it is in the Old Testament. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons who died after they entered the Lord's presence and burned the wrong kind of fire before him. Yeah, the wrong kind of fire. The Lord said to Moses, warn your brother Aaron not to enter the most holy place behind the inner curtain wherever he chooses. If he does, he will die. For the ark's cover, the place of atonement is there, and I myself am present in the cloud above the atonement cover. So we can't enter into God's presence on any other truth. That, that's what it means to me. That's my hermeneutic. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. You enter the presence of God through prayer, but you enter it in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus makes you clean before the Father. That's how I see it. You come before the Father in some other truth, in some other way. His, his sin, his, his perfection judges you and finds you wanting. Many, many tackle up Shirin. You don't make it out alive. Those boys were in the fire. Those two, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, lived in, um, lived in Babylon a long time ago, right? They were in the fire because Christ was there too. Some, something of the gods, whether it was an angel, whether it was Christ himself, God protected them because God was, God is the fire. And Jesus protects us from the fire of God's judgment. Okay, wrong kind of fire is your opinion, somebody else's theology, wrong theology. 
That's what it means to me. When Aaron enters the sanctuary area, he must follow these instructions fully. He must bring a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He must put on his linen tunic and the linen undergarments worn next to his body. He must tie the linen sash around his waist and put the linen turban on his head. These are sacred garments, so he must bathe himself in water before he puts them on. Aaron must put must take from the community of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and a ram for burnt offering. Okay, so these are offerings in the concrete world, but in the spiritual world, I would say you come before God wearing the, the linen of Jesus, the cloak of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. You're, you, you basically put on Jesus. Jesus is in you, you're in Jesus. God doesn't kill you. He looks at you and says, I see my son, I won't touch you. Judgment passes over you. The angel of death passes over you. If you want the angel of death to pass over you, like in, like in Egypt, it was like the doorpost was covered by the blood of the lamb. And Jesus says, I'm the door. Aaron will present his own bull as a sudden offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. It says in Hebrews that all of this was just a symbol of form. It was uh, an incomplete covenant. But yet you look at these words, what, what God is saying to the Jewish people and what he's saying to all people, including the Jewish people, is that you're my people and spiritually these, this, this is teaching us about the new covenant. That's my opinion. Then he must take the two male goats and present them to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. He is to cast sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away will be kept alive standing before the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be punished and made right with the Lord. So. One of the beliefs I think I've heard, I don't know if it's in the church I came from or the church, I, that the scapegoat was actually Satan. He was going to go into the wilderness and be killed. Um, but Satan is not the one who bears the sins of other people. I think both of these goats represent the two facets of Jesus the Christ. Jesus was made to be scapegoat. He was into the wilderness. He died outside the city. He died outside the camp and he was killed. But at the same time, the other goat represents Jesus, you know, as well. I really don't know. It's all kind of fuzzy to me, you know. That's why I always say, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Because I know I'm grappling with all of this. I'm, I'm doing the best I can with the IQ that I have. If I was, I'm sure those guys in the seminary schools, maybe they have really clean ideas about all of this. They have a really smart teacher teaching them all of this. Maybe that's my flailing. I'll never do that. That's way above my pay scale. That's way above my IQ. Aaron will present his own bow as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. Well, Jesus purifies us. After he has slaughtered the bow as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. It's funny that um, Isaiah said, I am a man of unclean lips. And then the angel comes and touches one of the burning coals from the altar and says, you know, your lips have been purified now. You've been touched with the burning coals from the altar. Isn't that funny? So you've been made pure now by an angel, by God, by a heavenly messenger, by Christ's offering for us, by God offering up his son as a sacrifice for sin on the cross. I did hear, now I think about all this about sin and sacrifice, that all the other religions don't seem to really talk about sins. 
They just talk about good works. And I, I think as a Christian, we also should be good works. But really the good works are, yes, I guess the good works are an outgrowth of what God has done. God is the one who sacrificed and covered sin. We couldn't do it. We couldn't cover our own sins. We messed up, but we can't clean it up. It's like a dog who poop, poops on the ground. He comes to you, you're the master, and you say, what'd you do? <laughs> and he won't, what'd you do? You know, I know you're guilty. The dog takes you to where the poo is. <laughs> and then you get angry, and then you love your dog, and you say, you should not have done that. You did wrong, and the dog, you know, the ears cover the dog, and then you clean up the mess, and you say, I love you, but don't ever do that again. But the dog couldn't clean it up. He knows he did wrong. He should not have poo-pooed in the house. I remember my daughter got a dog. She prayed for a cat for a year, got a dog. And then we had some accidents in the house. It made me angry, right? It's like, I like the dog, you know, but it's like, I don't want to do this. I didn't pray for this. I don't want to, I don't know. Cats are clean. They have the weird boxes, their little boxes and their cats are weird, but they don't do stuff like this, right? Maybe they do. I have no idea. But, you know, Daisy definitely made some mistakes. I Let's see, we got Daisy in 2016. I haven't seen the dog for years. It's 2023. It's been seven years. She must, she must be 50 years old now by human reckoning. My daughter's dog must be 50 years old now. I have no idea. I think the dog is with my daughter. Yeah, because she's with... My daughter loves that dog. I, 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 I didn't treat the dog as good as I should have. I was like, the dog would follow me around with these big guys like, no, and tried to sleep on the bed with me. It's like, no, get off. Now I feel really, really bad. If I ever see that dog again, I'm going to apologize to the flipping dog in the presence of God, just me and the dog. If somebody comes and says, why are you talking to the dog? What are you saying? It's none of your business. I'm going to apologize to Daisy for treating her bad. Because I feel really, really bad. That that animal showed me unconditional love, and I was not ready to accept that. I feel like a heel. You ever seen the cartoons where this big thing appears over a guy's head and it's like a shoe heel? <laughs> I love that. And then it dissipates. And then he like he walks along. He's like, I can't figure out why he's six inches tall. Because that's how big you feel when you realize you've done wrong. You've been shamed. You've been shamed. You shamed yourself. I love those Jewish cartoons, man. I say, I say, fortunately, I keep my feathers numbered for just such an emergency. Oh, boy. I am Wiley Coyote. You are a roadrunner. I am a genius, and I'm going to eat you. <laughs> That's just good stuff. You know you love that stuff. All you people who grew up with those cartoons. You know what? Sunday morning did have cartoons. I was not allowed to watch cartoons on Saturday morning. The Sunday morning cartoons kind of sucked, but there was some good stuff there. And of course, I did watch Bird, Birdman. Birdman would come on 4.30 to 5 o'clock on Saturday. And during the winter, um, during the winter months, my mother was sleeping. Um, I waited till it was 4.40, 4.41. Okay, the sunset went down according to that sunset calendar on Saturday and that TV flipped on for the last 20 minutes of Merry Melody and also for Birdman. There was a guy named Birdman. He like, he flew into the sun and he was very strong and he would just fly. He was like Hawkman, but he was like Birdman. He'd go, be he 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 ha. Like he was like super, like he was like Hawkman's mentor. 
and it's like he was on at the wrong time but during the winter months when saturday was over quite quickly it was like okay i still got 20 minutes right i, I don't know what happened but i could see this last 20 minutes of birdman it was awesome folks awesome uh if you keep the sabbath day i guess you don't want to let your kids watch tv although they probably are watching videos now if you're probably um you should not allow you should not stop your kids from watching video uh cartoons of course if the cartoons are really violent you should really filter that but they should watch the old cartoons the old cartoons are like the best yes anyways that's my opinion and uh it's probably wrong verse 8 he is to cast lots sacred lots to determine which goat will be reserved as an offering to the Lord and which will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. So Satan is not bearing away our sins. Jesus bore away our sins. But if you don't accept, you don't see Jesus as your savior, you have to bear your own sins. I think that's what the Bible is saying to me in Revelation. I don't think you want to do that. Aaron will then present as a sin offering the goat chosen by Lot for the Lord. The other goat, the scapegoat chosen by Lot to be sent away, will be kept alive standing for the Lord. When it is sent away to Azazel in the wilderness, the people will be purified and made right with the Lord. God is going to put away our sins. He's put away our sins and he's going to destroy sin at the end of the world and the new covenant universe, the new covenant earth, the new, the new covenant bodies that we have, there will be no more sin. It doesn't say this, but I think Jesus will be scarred. He will have a scarred body that we will see. If we're all going to the beach together, I think we're going to see that Jesus Christ has a scarred back. Lord, why, why, why do you have that? Don't you remember? Yes, Lord, I do. I'm sorry. That's the only sin I think will be in the whole universe. It'll be on the outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it will be a reminder of the before time and that will be a reminder of what we did to him and never ever to do it again. Verse 11, Aaron will then present his own bull as a sin offering to purify himself and his family, making them right with the Lord. After he has slaughtered the bull, the bull as a sin offering, he will fill an incense burner with burning coals from the altar that stands before the Lord. Then he will take two handfuls of fragrant powdered incense is that like the Holy Spirit? Is that fragrant? Our prayers are like fragrance before the Lord. We'll carry the burner and the incense be behind the inner curtain. Like our prayers ascend up to God and are a sweet aroma to his nostrils. They're like on, the, on God's altar. When you pray to your Heavenly Father, it's a sweet incense to him. I think I would like that. I, I do find myself talking to God more. I want to be respectful. Sometimes I don't, I'm not praying. I'm just lying in my bed. Like I get up in the morning, I say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I feel terrible right now. I'm not complaining, but I am. Please get me up. Please get me up. Help me to go to the gym. Help me to be a kind person. Help me not to be mean. Help me to forgive. If he follows these instructions, he will not die. Then he must take some of the blood of the bull, dip his finger in it, and sprinkle it on the east side of the atonement cover. He must sprinkle blood seven times with his finger in front of the atonement cover. Aaron must slaughter the first bull, first goat as a sin offering for the people, carry its blood behind the inner curtain. Then he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover in front of it, just as he did with the bull's blood. Through this process, he will purify the most holy place and will do the same for the entire tabernacle because of the defiling sin and rebellion of the Israelites. We, we, we defiled ourselves too. 
we, we also, like the Jews, we also did sin. No one else is allowed inside the tabernacle when Aaron enters it for the purification ceremony is the most holy place. No one may enter until he comes out again after purifying himself, his family, and the congregation of Israel, making them right with the Lord. God put away sin through Jesus Christ. The, the temple curtain tore from top to bottom. God did this. Now we get to go into the presence of God, just like Aaron, because we have the high priest, which is Jesus Christ, of the order of Melchizedek. He's higher than Moses. He's higher than Aaron. All Aaron and Moses, to me, are types of Jesus, who is the antitype, the reality. The reality that's right now. As I'm speaking to you, Jesus is up there intercessing for our sins. He will do this by taking some of the blood from the bull and the goat and putting it on each of the horns of the altar. Then he must sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times over the altar. In this way, he will cleanse it from Israel's defilement and make it holy. When Aaron has finished purifying the most holy place, the tabernacle and the altar, he must present the live goat. He will lay both of his hands on the goat's head, confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. In this way, he will transfer the people's sins to the head of the goat. Then a man specifically chosen for the task will drive the goat into the wilderness. As the goat goes into the wilderness, it will carry the people's sins upon itself into a desolate land. Jesus is the goat, and Jesus led the sins away from us. The sins are... God's wrath follows that sin. God... Jesus Christ led us out of danger by, by taking that all on himself and then he took it into the wilderness. You believe that Jesus is your savior, he took the sins off you and put it on himself. Just what Mark Driscoll was saying, he exchanges your sin-stained tunic for his perfect countenance. Mr. Driscoll, I like him. Preaches really well, very strong. I like him. Doesn't say everything I always agree with, but nobody ever does. I don't even agree with myself sometimes. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. And I'm sure that if you were to meet me and we were to have a conversation, you wouldn't agree with everything I said either, but I wouldn't agree with everything you said either. I don't work for you. You don't work for me. We work for the master. Then he must bathe himself with water in a sacred place, put on his regular garments and go out to sacrifice a burnt offering for himself and a burnt offering for the people. Through this process, he will purify himself and the people, making them right with the Lord. He must then burn all the fat of the sin offering on the altar. Not only did Jesus lead the sins away from us, he purified us too. He's that other burnt offering. He, he purified us. We've been purified, my friends. God put all that stuff away. We get a do-over. We got a second chance. It's like the tree of, of good and evil never happened. You get to decide which tree you want to be at for all eternity. You get to be at the tree of death where you get crucified forever, or you get to be, or you get to kneel before the tree of death where Jesus was and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And you get to partake of the fruit from the tree of life at the end in Revelation where you live forever. What tree do you want to be? The blind man said in the New Testament, he says, I see men like trees walking around. Which tree do you want to be under? The tree of death where you die, God's wrath, or the tree of life where you live forever with God our Father and his blessed Savior? The bull and the goat presented as sin offerings whose blood Aaron takes into the most holy place for the purification ceremony will be carried outside the camp. The animal's hides, internal organs, and dung are all to be burned. The man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself in water before returning to the camp. God burned all our sins at the cross if Jesus is your savior. And if he's not, then Revelation 19.15 is not going to be a fun day. I don't want to die in Revelation 19.15.
or in Revelation 20 verse 8. I, I know, I don't know if it's the same event or it's separated by a thousand years. You figure it out. Maybe there's two, maybe you got two options. Maybe we'll never know which option is the true one till it actually happens. You don't have to figure it all out. Just trust. I, I think there's a lot of figuring out going on in the gospel. We all want to figure stuff out. I'm, I'm in IT. I got to know stuff. But you know, sometimes you just got to like, okay, I got plan A, plan B, and plan C. And whenever, whatever happens, okay, this is what I got. I'm going to just trust. Somehow I get through it. Why don't we just trust God? Trust in the Lord, lean not unto your own understanding, and he will deliver thee and deliver thee. And he will lead thee on thy path. Something like that. I forgot how it goes. On the 10th day of the appointed month in the early autumn, you must deny yourselves. Neither native-born Israelites nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. I guess God has accomplished salvation for us, right? He, he cleared the path. Right? There was no path to God and Jesus. When when sin came, it clouded everything. God God cleared the path, but we gotta walk on it now. It's a narrow path. It's not it's not super evident. Narrow is the path, and few there be that find it, and broad is the way, and many there be on it that go to destruction. I don't want to be destroyed. I I want to be a son of eternity. I want to be the forever man. On that day, offerings of purification will be made for you. You will be purified in the Lord's presence for all your sins. It will be a complete Sabbath day of complete rest for you. Who cares if Sabbath is Saturday or whatever? This is the new covenant. You can go to church on any day you want, but the Sabbath rest is Jesus. We are resting in Jesus to, to God. God doesn't care about our sins anymore. They've been totally blown away. Like that planet, Alderaan. Where's Alderaan? Where's this asteroid? I, the planet's not there. What? It's been totally blown away. Verse 32, in future generations, the purification ceremony will be performed by the priest who has been anointed and ordained to say, serve as high priest in place of his ancestor Aaron. He will put on the holy linen garments and purify the most holy place. Didn't Jesus do that? He's of the order of Melchizedek. Abraham gave gifts to, to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is supposed to be a symbol or a type of Jesus, the antitype, who is the priest forever. Jesus is the fulfillment and embodiment of all the earthly priests. He's the heavenly priest who never sinned, and he put away sin once and for all. And I know that's at the end of Hebrews 9. And to purify the most holy place, the tabernacle, the altar of the priests, and the entire congregation, this is a permanent law for you to purify the people of Israel from their sins. Well, permanent, I guess I thought it meant to the vanishing point. Somebody said that means, so maybe that's for the old covenant, it vanished. You don't have to do sin sacrifice anymore. But if this is a sign of Jesus, then Jesus has done it permanently. It's permanent, it's once and for all. Jesus took care of sin. The question is, do you trust him? And do you want to take the gift he's given you? Now we've been made right with the Lord, not just once every year, not just the day of atonement, every day, every moment, every day. Every day is a Sabbath for you. Every day is a day of atonement. Every day is a day of new beginnings. Every day is a day of an opportunity to serve God and be sinless or serve the devil and have more sins piled on your head. Moses followed all these instructions exactly as the Lord had commanded him. You're the new Moses. 
of the New Testament. You can follow God or not. The choice is up to you. God bless you.